Chapter Twenty Two of Tales of a Traveller by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Part Third: The Italian Banditti in a Terracina. Crack, 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 crack. Here comes the Estafette from Naples said mine host of the inn at Terracina. Bring out the relay. The estafette came as usual, galloping up the road, brandishing over his head a short-handled whip, with a long, knotted lash, every smack of which made a report like a pistol. He was a tight, square-set young fellow, in the customary uniform, a smart blue coat ornamented with facings and gold lace but so short behind as to reach scarcely below his waistband, and cocked up not unlike the tail of a wren, a cocked hat edged with gold lace, a pair of stiff riding boots, but instead of the usual leathern breeches, he had a fragment of a pair of drawers that scarcely furnished an apology for modesty to hide behind. The estafette galloped up to the door and jumped from his horse. A glass of Rosolio, a fresh horse and a pair of breeches, said he, and quickly, I am behind my time, and must be off. San Gennaro, replied the host, why, where hast thou left thy garment? Among the robbers between this and Fondi. What, rob an estafette? I never heard of such folly. What could they hope to get from thee? My leather breeches, replied the estafette. They were brand new and shone like gold, and hit the fancy of the captain. Well, those fellows grow worse and worse, to meddle with an estafette, and that merely for the sake of a pair of leather breeches. The robbing of a government messenger seemed to strike the host with more astonishment than any other enormity that had taken place on the road. And indeed, it was the first time so wanton an outrage had been committed, the robbers generally taking care not to meddle with anything belonging to government. The estafette was by this time equipped, for he had not lost an instant in making his preparations while talking. The relay was ready. The Rosolio tossed off. He grasped the reins in the stirrup. Were there many robbers in the band? said a handsome, dark young man, stepping forward from the door of the inn. As formidable a band as ever I saw, said the estafette, springing into the saddle. "'Are they cruel to travellers?' said a beautiful young Venetian lady, who had been hanging on the gentleman's arm. "'Cruel, Signora,' echoed the estafette, giving a glance at the lady as he put spurs to his horse. "'Corpo del Bacco! They stilettes of all the men, and as to the women—crack, crack, 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 crack!' The last words were drowned in the smacking of the whip, and away galloped the estafette along the road to the Pontine Marshes. "'Holy Virgin!' ejaculated the fair Venetian. "'What will become of us?' The inn of Terracina stands just outside of the walls of the old town of that name, on the frontiers of the Roman territory. A little, lazy Italian town, the inhabitants of which, apparently heedless and listless, are said to be little better than the brigands which surround them, and indeed are half of them supposed to be in some way or other connected with the robbers. A vast, rocky height rises perpendicularly above it, 
with the ruins of the castle of theodoric the goth crowning its summit before it spreads the wide bosom of the mediterranean that sea without flux or reflux there seems an idle pause in everything about this place the port is without a sail except that once in a while a solitary felucca may be seen disgorging its holy cargo of bacala the meagre provisions for the carissima or lent the naked watch-towers rising here and there along the coast speak of pirates and corsairs which hover about these shores while the low huts as stations for soldiers which dot the distant road as it winds through an olive grove intimate that in the ascent there is danger for the traveller and facility for the bandit indeed it is between this town and fondi that the road to naples is mostly infested by banditti it winds among rocky and solitary places where the robbers are enabled to see the traveller from a distance from the prows of hills or impending precipices and to lie in wait for them at the lonely and difficult passes at the time that the estafette made this sudden appearance almost in kerpo the audacity of the robbers had risen to an unparalleled height they had their spies and emissaries in every town village and osteria to give them notice of the quality and movements of travellers they did not scruple to send messages into the country towns and villas demanding certain sums of money or articles of dress and luxury with menaces of vengeance in case of refusal they had plundered carriages carried people of rank and fortune into the mountains and obliged them to write for heavy ransoms and had committed outrages on females who had fallen in their power the police exerted its rigour in vain the brigands were too numerous and powerful for a weak police they were countenanced and cherished by several of the villages and though now and then the limbs of malefactors hung blackening in the trees near which they had committed some atrocity or their heads stuck upon posts in iron cages made some dreary part of the road still more dreary still they seemed to strike dismay into no bosom but that of the traveller the dark handsome young man and the venetian lady whom i have mentioned had arrived early that afternoon in a private carriage drawn by mules and attended by a single servant they had been recently married were spending the honeymoon and travelling through these delicious countries and were on their way to visit a rich aunt of the young ladies at naples the lady was young and tender and timid the stories she had heard along the road had filled her with apprehension not more for herself than for her husband for though she had been married almost a month she still loved him almost to idolatry when she reached teresina the rumours of the road had increased to an alarming magnitude and the sight of two robbers skulls grinning in iron cages on each side of the old gateway of the town brought her to a pause her husband had tried in vain to reassure her they had lingered all the afternoon at the inn until it was too late to think of starting that evening and the parting words of the estafette completed her affright let us return to rome said she putting her arm within her husband's and drawing towards him as if for protection let us return to rome and give up this visit to naples and give up the visit to your aunt too said the husband nay what is my aunt in comparison with your safety said she looking up tenderly in his face 
there was something in her tone and manner that showed she really was thinking more of her husband's safety at that moment than of her own and being recently married in a match of pure affection too it is very possible that she was at least her husband thought so indeed any one who has heard the sweet musical tone of a venetian voice and the melting tenderness of a venetian phrase and felt the soft witchery of a venetian eye would not wonder at the husband's believing whatever they professed he clasped the white hand that had been laid within his put his arm around her slender waist and drawing her fondly to his bosom this night at least said he will pass at teresina crack 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 another apparition of the road attracted the attention of mine host and his guests from the road across the pontine marshes a carriage drawn by half a dozen horses came driving at a furious pace the postilions smacking their whips like mad and is the case when conscious of the greatness or the beneficence of their fare it was a landlet with a servant mounted on the dicky the compact highly finished yet proudly simple construction of the carriage the quantity of neat well-arranged trunks and conveniences the loads of box-coats and upper benjamins on the dicky and the fresh burly gruff-looking face at the window proclaimed at once that it was the equipage of an englishman fresh horses to fondy said the englishman as the landlord came bowing to the carriage door would not his excellency alight and take some refreshment no he did not mean to eat until he got to fondy but the horses will be some time in getting ready ah that's always the case nothing but delay in this cursed country if his excellenza would only walk into the house no 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 i tell you no i want nothing but horses and as quick as possible john see that the horses are got ready and don't let us be kept here an hour or two tell him if we're delayed over that time i'll lodge a complaint with the postmaster john touched his hat and set off to obey his master's orders with the taciturn obedience of an english servant he was a ruddy round-faced fellow with hair cropped short a short coat drab breeches and long gaiters and appeared to have almost as much contempt as his master for everything around him in the meantime the englishman got out of the carriage and walked up and down before the inn with his hands in his pockets taking no notice of the crowd of idlers who were gazing at him in his equipage he was tall stout and well made dressed with neatness and precision wore a travelling cap of the colour of gingerbread and had rather an unhappy expression about the corners of his mouth partly from not having yet made his dinner and partly from not having been able to get on at a greater rate than seven miles an hour not that he had any other cause for haste than an englishman's usual hurry to get to the end of a journey or to use the regular phrase to get on after some time the servant returned from the stable with as sour a look as his master are the horses ready john no sir i never saw such a place there's no getting anything done i think your honour had better step into the house and get something to eat it will be a long while before we get to fundy dang the house it's a mere trick i'll not eat anything just to spite them said the englishman still more crusty at the prospect of being so long without his dinner they say your honour's very wrong said john to set off at this late hour the road's full of highwaymen 
mere tales to get custom the estafette which passed us was stopped by a whole gang said john increasing his emphasis with each additional piece of information i don't believe a word of it they robbed him of his breeches said john giving at the time a hitch to his own waistband all humbug here the dark handsome young man stepped forward and addressing the englishman very politely in broken english invited him to partake of a repast he was about to make thank ye said the englishman thrusting his hands deeper into his pockets and casting a slight side glance of suspicion at the young man as if he thought from his civility he must have a design upon his purse we shall be most happy if you will do us that favour said the lady in her soft venetian dialect there was a sweetness in her accents that was most persuasive the englishman cast a look upon her countenance her beauty was still more eloquent his features instantly relaxed he made an attempt at a civil bow with great pleasure signora said he in short the eagerness to get on was suddenly slackened the determination to famish himself as far as fondy by way of punishing the landlord was abandoned john chose the best apartment in the inn for his master's reception and preparations were made to remain there until morning the carriage was unpacked of such of its contents as were indispensable for the night there was the usual parade of trunks and writing desks and portfolios and dressing boxes and those other oppressive conveniences which burden a comfortable man the observant loiterers about the inn door wrapped up in great dirt-coloured cloaks with only a hawk's eye uncovered made many remarks to each other on this quantity of luggage that seemed enough for an army and the domestics of the inn talked with wonder of the splendid dressing-case with its gold and silver furniture that was spread out on the toilet table and the bag of gold that chinked as it was taken out of the trunk the strange milor's wealth and the treasures he carried about him with the talk that evening over all teresina the englishman took some time to make his ablutions and arrange his dress for table and after considerable labour and effort in putting himself at ease made his appearance with stiff white cravat his clothes free from the least speck of dust and adjusted with precision he made a formal bow on entering which no doubt he meant to be cordial by which any one else would have considered cool and took his seat the supper as it was termed by the italian or dinner as the englishman called it was now served heaven and earth and the waters under the earth had been moved to furnish it for there were birds of the air and beasts of the earth and fish of the sea the englishman's servant too had turned the kitchen topsy-turvy in his zeal to cook his master a beefsteak and made his appearance loaded with ketchup and soy and cayenne pepper and harvey sauce and a bottle of port wine from that warehouse the carriage in which his master seemed desirous of carrying england about the world with him everything however according to the englishman was execrable the taurin of soup was a black sea with livers and limbs and fragments of all kinds of birds and beasts floating like wrecks about it a meagre winged animal which my host called a delicate chicken was too delicate for his stomach for it had evidently died of a consumption the macaroni was cooked the beefsteak was tough buffalo's flesh and the countenance of mine host confirmed the assertion nothing seemed to hit his palate but a dish of stewed eels of which he ate with great relish 
but had nearly refunded them when told they were vipers caught among the rocks of Terracina, and esteemed a great delicacy. In short, the Englishman ate and growled and ate and growled, like a cat eating in company, pronouncing himself poisoned by every dish, yet eating on in defiance of death and the doctor. The Venetian lady, not accustomed to English travellers, almost repented having persuaded him to the meal, for though very gracious to her, he was so crusty to all the world beside, that she stood in awe of him. There is nothing, however, that conquers John Bull's crustiness sooner than eating, whatever may be the cookery, and nothing brings him into good humour with his company sooner than eating together. The Englishman, therefore, had not half finished his repast and his bottle, before he began to think the Venetian a very tolerable fellow for a foreigner, and his wife almost handsome enough to be an Englishwoman. In the course of the repast, the tales of robbers which harassed the mind of the fair Venetian were brought into discussion. The landlord and the waiter served up such a number of them, as they served up the dishes, that they almost frightened away the poor lady's appetite. Among these was the story of the school of Teresina, still fresh in every mind, where the students were carried up the mountains by the banditti, and hopes of ransom, and one of them massacred, to bring the parents to terms for the others. There was a story also of a gentleman of Rome, who delayed remitting the ransom demanded for his son, detained by the banditti, and received one of his son's ears in the letter, with information that the other would be remitted to him soon, if the money were not forthcoming, and that in this way he would receive the boy by installments until he came to terms. The fair Venetian shuddered as she heard these tales. The landlord, like a true story-teller, doubled the dose when he saw how it operated. He was just proceeding to relate the misfortunes of a great English lord and his family, when the Englishman, tired of his volubility, testily interrupted him and pronounced these accounts mere travellers' tales, or the exaggerations of peasants and innkeepers. The landlord was indignant at the doubt levelled at his stories, and the innuendo levelled at his cloth. He cited half a dozen stories, still more terrible, to corroborate those he had already told. "'I don't believe a word of them,' said the Englishman. "'But the robbers have been tried and executed. All a farce. But their heads were stuck up along the road. Old skulls accumulated during a century.' The landlord muttered to himself as he went out the door. "'San Gennaro, come sono sigolari queste inglesi.' A fresh hubbub outside of the inn announced the arrival of more travellers, and from the variety of voices, or rather clamours, the clattering of horses' hoofs, the rattling of wheels, and the general uproar both within and without, the arrival seemed to be numerous. It was, in fact, the Procaccio, and its convoy, a kind of caravan of merchandise, that sets out on stated days under an escort of soldiery to protect it from the robbers travellers availed themselves of the occasion and many carriages accompanied the procaccio it was a long time before either landlord or waiter returned being hurried away by the tempest of new custom when mine host appeared there was a smile of triumph on his countenance perhaps said he as he cleared away the table perhaps the seigneur has not heard of what has happened What? said the Englishman dryly. 
oh the procaccio has arrived and has brought accounts of fresh exploits of the robbers senor hish there's more news of the english milor and his family said the host emphatically an english lord what english lord milor popkin lord popkin i never heard of such a title oh sicuro a great nobleman that passed through here lately with his milady and daughters magnifico one of the grand councillors of london un almano 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 tut he means alderman sicuro aldermano popkin and the principisa popkin and the senorina popkin said mine host triumphantly he would now have entered into a full detail but was thwarted by the englishman who seemed determined not to credit or indulge him in his stories an italian tongue however is not easily checked that of mine host continued to run on with increasing volubility as he conveyed the fragments of the repast out of the room and the last that could be distinguished of his voice as it died away along the corridor was the constant recurrence of the favorite word popkin 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 pop 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 the arrival of the procaccio had indeed filled the house with stories as it had with guests the englishman and his companions walked out after supper into the great hall or common room of the inn which runs through the centre building a gloomy dirty-looking apartment with tables placed in various parts of it at which some of the travellers were seated in groups while others strolled about in famished impatience for their evening's meal as the procaccio was a kind of caravan of travellers there were people of every class and country who had come in all kinds of vehicles and though they kept in some measure in separate parties yet the being united under one common escort had jumbled them into companionship on the road their formidable number and the formidable guard that accompanied them had prevented any molestation from the banditti but every carriage had its tale of wonder and one vied with another in the recital not one but had seen groups of robbers peering over the rocks or their guns peeping out from among the bushes or had been reconnoitred by some suspicious-looking fellow with scowling eye who disappeared on seeing the guard the fair venetian listened to all these stories with that eager curiosity with which we seek to pamper any feeling of alarm even the englishman began to feel interested in the subject and desirous of gaining more correct information than these mere flying reports he mingled in one of the groups which appeared to be the most respectable in which was assembled around a tall thin person with long roman nose a high forehead and lively prominent eye beaming from under a green velvet travelling cap with gold tassel he was holding forth with all the fluency of a man who talks well and likes to exert his talent he was of rome a surgeon by profession a poet by choice and one who was something of a improvisator he soon gave the englishman abundance of information respecting the banditti the fact is said he that many of the people in the villages among the mountains are robbers or rather the robbers find perfect asylum among them they range over a vast extent of wild impracticable country along the chain of apennines bordering on different states they know all the difficult passes the short cuts and strongholds they are secure of the good will of the poor and peaceful inhabitants of these regions whom they never disturb and whom they often enrich indeed they are looked upon as a sort of illegitimate heroes among the mountain villages and some of the frontier towns 
where they dispose of their plunder from these mountains they keep a lookout upon the plains and valleys and meditate their descents the road to fondy which you are about to travel is one of the places most noted for their exploits it is overlooked from some distance by little hamlets perched upon heights from hence the brigands like hawks in their nests keep on the watch for such travellers as are likely to afford either booty or ransom the windings of the road enable them to see carriages long before they pass so that they have time to get to some advantageous lurking place from whence they pounce upon their prey but why does not the police interfere and root them out said the englishman the police is too weak and the banditti are too strong replied the improvisator to root them out would be more difficult a task than you imagine they are connected and identified with the people of the villages and the peasantry generally the numerous bands have an understanding with each other and with the people of various conditions in all parts of the country they know all that is going on a jean d'arme cannot stir without their being aware of it they have their spies and emissaries in every direction they lurk about towns villages inns mingle in every crowd pervade every place of resort i should not be surprised said he if someone should be supervising us at this moment the fair venetian looked round fearfully and turned pale one peculiarity of the italian banditti continued the improvisador is that they wear a kind of uniform or rather costume which designates their profession this is probably done to take away from its skulking lawless character and to give it something of a military air in the eyes of the common people or perhaps to catch by outward dash and show the fancies of the young men of the villages these dresses or costumes are often rich and fanciful some wear jackets and breeches of bright colors richly embroidered broad belts of cloth or sashes of silk net broad high-crowned hats decorated with feathers of variously colored ribbons and silk nets for their hair many of the robbers are peasants who follow ordinary occupations in the villages for a part of the year and take to the mountains for the rest some only go out for a season as it were on a hunting expedition and then resume the dress and habits of common life many of the young men of the villages take to this kind of life occasionally from a mere love of adventure the wild wandering spirit of youth and the contagion of bad example but it is remarked that they can never after brook a long continuance in settled life they get fond of the unbounded freedom and rude license they enjoy and there is something in this wild mountain life checkered by adventure and peril that is wonderfully fascinating independent of the gratification of cupidity by the plunder of the wealthy traveller here the improvisator was interrupted by a lively neapolitan lawyer your mention of the younger robbers said he puts me in mind of an adventure of a learned doctor a friend of mine which happened in this very neighbourhood a wish was of course expressed to hear the adventure of the doctor by all except the improvisator who being fond of talking and of hearing himself talk and accustomed moreover to harangue without interruption looked rather annoyed at being checked when in full career the neapolitan however took no notice of his chagrin but related the following anecdote End of chapter twenty two recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Ritchie, Florida.